Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker, and you are listening to The Wildlife, a podcast by two brothers that tells nature's untold stories and wild secrets. Last week, if you haven't listened to that yet, it was a conversation with Karina Newsom. You might know her as Hood Naturalist on Twitter or Instagram. If you haven't listened to that, I definitely recommend it. But if you did listen, you might recall that I said for the next couple of weeks, we weren't going to be putting out any brand new episodes. And there's a variety of reasons for that. One, um, adjusting to distance learning and working from home and all that kind of stuff and and trying to uh, prioritize time with family and things of that nature. Um, But also uh, Richard, he's moving to Minnesota next week. So um, to give him some time to, um, you know, get all of his ducks in a row and and get up here and get settled uh, before we can start doing recordings uh, in person. Because if you don't realize it, uh, we've been recording, you know, me in Minnesota and him in Texas for pretty much the last three years. Uh, so this will be this will be nice. This will be a, a nice change of pace, and, and we'll be able to do things uh, actually face to face and in person. And so it might bring a bit of a different uh, feel and flavor to the show. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I know he's looking forward to it. Um, but anyway, my family and I we were at a local park um, this this past week. Um, you know, trying to trying to stay sane and get out of the house a little bit, but while staying away from people. So we went to a park, and and we were going by this prairie area that has a has a bit of a wetland, like smack dab in the middle, and it's it's a spot that I look forward to going to every single year because um, honestly, for like half a mile, you can hear you can hear the frogs, and and it's that. That for me, it's like, that is the point that I know winter's done and, and spring is here and, uh, um, you know, life is, life is kind of, uh, shaking out its legs and, and, uh, waking up and it's, it's just a sound that brings me a lot of joy. That might be a little bit odd considering the sound is pretty much males just making noise to attract the ladies in fact, so <laughs> I'm listening to the sound. I hear mostly Western chorus frogs and wood frogs. And um, I decide, you know, I, I wonder if I can see any of them with my zoom lens on my camera. So I, I crept down to the edge and, and my toddler was tagging along with me. And uh, I crouched down for a little bit. So I wasn't moving a whole lot. And I waited. And then so they started their song again. Um, and I, I picked up the camera and I you know, zoomed in at the surface of the water and started scanning. And I could see the frogs, but I, I was getting a lot of sunlight reflecting through. And so it was kind of blinding me out. Um, so I wasn't really sure what I was getting pictures of as I was doing it. Anyway, I took a whole bunch of pictures. And then later I go back and I'm looking at the pictures on the camera. And I'd say 90% of the pictures were of, you know, half a dozen to a dozen frog couples copulating um, right there in the, in the field of view. And I'm just like, oh, I was totally invading their, their privacy pardon me. Um, anyway, I'll probably post a couple of those pictures, um, just so you can see what I'm talking about along with a, a video of the sound here. But anyway, what it reminded me of is, uh, last July, um, when we were kind of experimenting more with the idea of putting out shorts every so often, you know, 10, 10, 15 minute episodes here and there. Um, we put out one called frog sickles because here's the thing, anyone who lives in Minnesota or, or anywhere in the North knows that you have frogs. 
And, uh, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode about garter snakes and, you know, the, the, the type that we were focusing on are ones that live in Manitoba where it gets incredibly, incredibly cold. And the question then becomes, how does a, a cold blooded, a reptile or an amphibian survive such temperatures? How do frogs make it through the winter? How is it that, you know, in the summer they're, they're singing and, and they've got a bit of an opera going on and then they slowly quiet down and then they're completely absent for months and months and months. And then suddenly it's like, they're all at the surface of the water at the same time. Well, you know, what's, what's going on there and how, how do they possibly make that? And that's just insane. Well, we explain in that episode. And so, um, this week, yeah, it isn't a new episode, but, um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, we're also, you know, totally fine with revisiting some of our former episodes because we have grown a lot just in the last, you know, six months or so. And, um, I would be willing to bet that a lot of our more recent listeners, um, aren't as familiar with some of our older, um, episodes. I mean, we've been, we've been making episodes for three years. We're at episode 48 as of last week, this would be 49, but I'm not going to count this since it's a revisit. Um, but my point is, is we've got a, a whole backlog of stuff that might be worth revisiting here and there. So we'll, we'll probably do this every so often. Anyway, we have a lot of really um, fun stuff coming in the next few weeks here. Uh, we have an episode on orangutans, on the extinction of the dinosaurs, snow leopards, and uh, we have a, a, our very first um, guest podcast. I'd I don't know if that's what you would call it. We're making a podcast episode with another podcast that I'm really excited about. It's something that we have not done before. And so it's a, a slightly new territory, but I'm I'm really excited for for uh, how, how that might turn out. I'm going to keep the other details under wraps for now until we get our ducks in a row. And that I've said ducks in a row twice now, which I promise is not a term that I frequently use. But for some reason today it is. Oh, and one more thing before I stop rambling very quickly. Uh, we, we are, um, after, after that conversation with Karina Newsom, uh, hood naturalist, uh, it, it was very well received. It's been a incredibly popular episode. Um, and you know what, frankly, I just enjoyed doing it for a variety of reasons. Um, it, it was just a, it was just a really good conversation and, uh, um, I mean, we said last week, I think that's something that we could all use a little bit more of, you know, feeling that, that connection and, you know, that, that person, um, somewhere else that we can connect to and relate to and, and feel like we're a part of a conversation with. So that being said, um, in the next, in the next few weeks here and really just moving forward, we want to do stuff like that more often. So if you are someone who considers yourself a psychomer or even just like a nature nerd, um, you don't even have to be an academic, you know what I mean? Um, we, we were totally, totally down with having a conversation with you and, and putting that out for all of your ear holes to enjoy. Um, I was just talking to someone on Instagram who had replied to where we said that, well, this is news for you. Probably we are apparently the number 12, um, 12 at this point. Uh, life science podcast in Saudi Arabia on Apple Podcasts, which, what? <laughs> like, that was highly unexpected, but okay. And uh, I posted about that on Instagram, and we had uh, someone reply and say that um, they were patiently waiting for 
us to interview them so that they could be on the show, even though they were not academic and mostly use iNaturalist and chase butterflies. And I was like, you know what? Totally down with that. Let's do it. Let's just geek out and talk about nature and whatever you want to talk about, because I think, uh, I think that's something that we could all relate to and have fun with. And I just think it'd be fun to do. So if you are interested in being on the show, you do not have to be an academic at all. Reach out. You can message me on Instagram at Devin the Nature Guy or at the wildlife.blog. You can message me on Twitter at Dev the Nature Guy or at the Wildlife Pod. Um, or you can send us an email to hey.thewildlife at gmail.com. And one more thing, I am so sorry. Thank you to our patrons Andrea Lloyd, Matt Capel, Chris Trinkle, Megan Gariani, and uh, Bridget Fitzgerald. You are our life force. We literally could not do it without you. Um, I'm. I was working on putting some care package stuff to send out to you in these in these trying times, and um, I'm going to reach out individually to see about what some things you might be interested in. Because, um, and then if you even want anything, because I totally understand if you don't want to be receiving a package that, you know, contamination. But I promise I'm good. At least I think. We'll find out. Anyway, thank you for thank you for your support. I I on I I, I just I can't even put to words how incredibly thankful I am and it just helps to it helps us to rationalize what we do and to feel like it's worth it and to feel like it's having some kind of an impact um, and it's just genuinely appreciated if you want to become a patron you can do that at patreon.com slash the wildlife for as little as a dollar a month now sit back and enjoy frog sickles Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker, and this is The Wildlife. That to me, that is the song of summer. It's the sound that tells me winter is finally over, spring is in full swing, and that I can finally, finally put away my coat and spend the next few months in a constant state of blissful denial about the heat, humidity, and sometimes swampy cargo shorts as I sit next to an evening bonfire entranced by the flames as I'm bombarded by the littlest of jerks, black flies, and and millions and millions of mosquitoes. Ah, summer. Don't get me wrong, I love summer, but you have to admit that it's kind of like when you wash a new hoodie that is super comfortable and then you put it back on and it's all scratchy inside, or like when you take a sip of your coffee and it's ice cold, or, or worse, it's actually soy sauce. Anyway, Each year here in Minnesota, I know I can look forward to the same cycle. Well, not to be a negative Nance, but global amphibian populations are on a massive decline, so maybe that cycle won't be as predictable in the future, something we covered in depth in a previous episode called Canary in the Coal Mine, by the way. But for now, at least, it goes a little something like this. First are the wood frogs and the boreal forest frogs. Then the spring peepers and the northern leopard frogs. The pickerel frog joins the opera along with the American toad. And then a shuffling on the stage occurs and the singers are replaced like David Lee Roth. And you have the Canadian toad, the Great Plains toad, the gray tree frog, the coast gray tree frog, and the northern cricket frog all getting busy like Sean Paul belting their ballads for the next few weeks before the mink frog, the green frog, 
that sounds like a banjo, by the way, and the bullfrog. Fourteen species of toads and frogs grouped into three families, toads, tree frogs, and true frogs. Just as a fun fact, there are just over 4,000 amphibian species globally. But, wait a second, Minnesota gets crazy cold, like throw boiling water in the air to make steam or a trip to the emergency room cold, or like shallow lakes and wetlands freezing solid cold. So how in the froggy hell do they survive the winter? I barely survive the winter. They have no fur, no heaters, no Netflix to binge watch The Office and pass the time, no hot cocoa, no sweatpants. Oh my God, can you imagine a frog in sweatpants? That'd be like the best. But seriously, how do they drink and breathe and eat and avoid frostbite? Over thousands of years, Minnesota's toads and frogs have adapted to survive the extreme variation in conditions here. It's what life does. You know, the Jeff Goldblum quote, life uh, finds a way. The toads, the American, Canadian, Great Plains, they, they're excellent burrowers. And they dig below the frost line before going into a hibernation-like type of dormancy. If the frost line begins to creep deeper, so do they. But wood frogs, which are the only frogs found north of the Arctic Circle, by the way, uh, and boreal or western chorus frogs, the spring peeper, the gray and copse gray tree frogs, they're well suited to a cold climate. They spend their winters on land burrowed in the leaves that fell in the fall or under a thin layer of mud. They stop breathing, their hearts stop beating, and they begin to freeze. Crystals begin to form within their hibernating bodies as the water converts to ice. But why doesn't that kill them? It would kill me. The secret? Antifreeze. As winter begins, their liver begins to produce high amounts of glucose, which find its way into the cells. See, they possess these nucleating proteins, which basically freeze all the water outside of the cells before the other freezing begins. And that glucose finds its way inside of the cells, creating what's basically like a gusher just a sugary, syrup-filled cell that protects them from freezing or bursting. Many of these frogs can survive upwards of 80% of their bodies being completely frozen solid. I recently had someone on a hike that I was co-eating tell me that one winter their dog came in with a frog that was just like a brick, and they didn't know where they got it from, assumed they dug it up from under the snow or whatever, thought it was dead, threw it away. Well. I had to break the unfortunate news that no, that frog was very much alive, just frozen. When it comes to frogs like the leopard frog and the American bullfrog and some of the others, they spend their winters hibernating underwater. But where underwater? Do they dig down? Not quite. The thing about frogs, amphibians rather, is that they have highly permeable skin, meaning they absorb their environment like a sponge, which is partly why they are so susceptible to pollutants. They absorb water through their skin, meaning they never have to drink, and these frogs spend their winter in oxygen-rich waters, breathing through absorption, lying just on top of the mud or only just partially buried. When spring comes with warmer weather, their hearts begin to beat. They begin to shake out their limbs, thaw, 
almost as if nothing ever happened. Within a matter of minutes, the glaze on their eyes disappears. They might be a little rigid. They might be a little slow moving at first. But it's only a matter of time before they start singing. 